Finland has been long considered one of the few countries in the world where the press is truly free, a unique kind of safe haven for journalism. In January this year, the Nordic nation made headlines when two journalists were convicted of disclosing state secrets in the infamous Finnish Intelligence Research Center case. To underscore how unprecedented these legal proceedings were, it was the first time since the Second World War when a journalist in Finland has been charged or convicted of disclosing state secrets. In December 2017, Helsingin Sanomat, Finland's leading daily newspaper, started to publish a series of articles on plans to give Finland's security services greater powers to carry out surveillance and covert operations domestically and abroad. The articles shed light in particular on the operations of the Finnish Defence Intelligence Agency. The first article, titled Finland's Most Secret Place, was about the activities of the Finnish Intelligence Research Centre and revealed information about the location and tasks of one particular intelligence unit. In January 2023, following a lengthy investigation and trial, the Helsinki District Court convicted journalists Tuomo Pietilainen and Laura Halminen, the authors of the article, of disclosing state secrets. Pietilainen, considered to be the main person responsible, received a fine of approximately 4,200 euros, and Halminen, who participated in a lesser role, was not fined. The charges against Kalle Silverberg, the editor of the newspaper's political department at the time, were dismissed. You're listening to the latest episode of the MFRR In Focus, a podcast by the Media Freedom Rapid Response, a consortium of press freedom organizations from across Europe. In this episode, we're shining the spotlight on Finland, where press freedom collided with national security in an unprecedented way. I'm your host, Ronja Koskinen, press freedom officer at the International Press Institute, IPI, which is a partner of the MFRR. On this podcast episode, we will have a closer look at the chain of events which led to the landmark conviction and how the lengthy legal proceedings have affected press freedom in Finland and abroad. Could you introduce yourself and what do you do at the Vindin? Yes, I am Sayana Nazarenko and I work as the International Affairs Specialist here at the Union of Journalists in Finland. So I deal with international affairs and also with communications, policy and ethics in Finland. Okay, you have been following this case um, probably from the beginning. Um, could you walk us through the main events of this extraordinary legal process from the union's perspective? Helsingin Sanat published these stories in 2017 and the police investigation started very, very briefly after and there was... Um, Police went to the home of a journalist and confiscated some of her her equipment and material. This alone is quite extraordinary in Finland, and uh, but the search protection was was a big question in the very very beginning as well. And uh, the police investigation took a long time, so the charges uh, were the the. Assistant Prosecutor General. Uh, he came up with the charges. I think it was uh, October 2021. So it took took years for them to come up with the charges, and um, they were accusing journalists for disclosing security secrets, which is a pecu- peculiar piece of law. If we look at, for instance, Scandinavian countries, others don't have similar 
uh, laws, especially ones that would lead to potentially lead to prison sentences. So what we found worrisome at this stage was that if convicted, that would the convictions would automatically be prison sentences from four months upwards. So and uh, the final verdict came uh, late January 2023, and um, as we remember, journalists, two journalists were convicted for disclosing a security secret. And uh, strange enough, uh, despite the law, uh, they did not get prison sentences. Only one of them was fined and the other one uh, was not uh, legally punished. So there was um, a decision that, yes, they are guilty, but no prison sentences were from journalists, which is, of course, a good thing that there are many, many, many elements in this whole process that are very worrisome. Many, many components of the conviction uh, because uh, at the moment, it's, if, if we look at the conviction as it is for now, it would be really hard for journalists to know what is a, a state secret and what isn't, and what is the time frame within which you can publish things. Um, many, many things that we found really strange in the process. Uh, of course, the I believe that the conviction might change or be even turned over. The process is not over. But from the press freedom viewpoint, it's been obscure, it's been way too long. It's been very stressful for journalists. Uh, also, the editor-in-chief was not uh, convicted, not even charged, which, which is also peculiar if, if you look at the legislation in Finland. So there were many things that made this whole process exceptional, worrisome and, and strange. And it gives... Um, this is my personal opinion, not the official union view, but I find that this uh, gives a picture of a country where the defense forces have a special, some kind of a strange special protection that we cannot really get a grip of. So this is an important legal precedent and this process will go on for a long time. And it's, it's important for us, it's important for Scandinavia, it's important for Europe. So I hope we'll this will end up better, meaning that these charges will be dismissed in the end, that we don't know. The additional charges of attempting to disclose state secrets relating to unpublished articles were also dismissed, but Helsinki Sanomat was ordered to remove the article from their website a seemingly absurd decision given that the article in question was published over five years ago and has been available online until the court verdict. Media experts and press freedom advocates were especially alarmed by the fact that individual journalists were convicted instead of the editorial management or the original source of the leak. In addition, the majority of the court hearings were held behind closed doors as the Finnish Defence Forces claimed they contained classified information. In its verdict, the court found no evidence that concrete harm or danger was caused to the interests of national defence or state security, and agreed that the purpose was to inform the public about the new intelligence legislation. Despite this, the court claimed that the journalists had taken a conscious risk and must have known that publishing even old intelligence information could be harmful to national security. 
the court asserted that the publication of such in-depth intelligence information could only have been acceptable if it was, for example, a significant revelation about abuse of power. You already mentioned um, some of the problematic aspects uh, of this whole process, but are there any other um, other things that you would like to point out from the charges or court hearings or the verdict itself? There are many, many big really apart. Um, I think one thing that I took from the verdict said that, for instance, uh, so there's like a court now defining how journalism is being made in a way, so that the, the judges were putting statements on where does the, uh, when does the society adult need to receive information, uh, how was it met in Finland. So there were many moments that were very strange for journalists. Because the verdict is kind of saying that, yes, it's important to also tell about defense and tell about the army and tell about the secrecy within these organizations. But then there was a but and a but and a but. So they were saying that there was no grounds to disclose these things from the viewpoint of the audience. And I think it's up to the journalists and the audience to decide what's important for us and not up to the courts. So that's like the main principle problem that we see there. So, uh, have the legal proceedings and conviction affected press freedom in Finland? Um, does this case potentially change the way Finnish press uh, reports on the defense forces or other officials? I think it has affected press freedom in Finland uh, in the sense that uh, of course, it's a player with the inter international reputation of Finland as a first freedom haven. Also, it creates a lot of insecurity among journalists on how to cover these issues. Because we are not talking about journalists from a big media house that uh, they have the support from within their own house. They have, they could use lawyers. They received support, only not enough, but at least at least they knew that their editor-in-chief was supportive. But like, if if the, if you are, for instance, a freelancer, why would you even give it a try covering these issues if, if it can lead to a process like this? So an individual journalist becomes very vulnerable. So that's that's the very, that's problematic. Um, on the other hand, I'm very positive and optimistic when it comes to Finnish journalists. So I don't think they will be, and we will be okay with defense force, forces trying to classify documents and trying to conceal information from the general public. I believe vice versa. This might have been a turning point where we actually ask ourselves the question, is, do we have an institution that actually enjoys a lot of power, has a lot of resources, and but is not accountable, similar as other institutions of the same magnitude? Do you think officials in Finland overclassify documents? And if so, how does it affect journalists' work? Uh, if you ask me, I would think yes, occasionally they definitely do overclassify. I mean, the problem with the classification per se is that we, if, if they are classified documents, and when there's, for instance, if you made an access to information request as a journalist, if you don't know what's classified, you don't know what the request. And I know. 
from experience that the defense forces and, and uh, other security organizations, they have a chance to classify them. It's, of course, understandable. That's everywhere. But uh, we have seen it through history in Finland that there is a, is a willingness and kind of a culture to of, of non-disclosure of public documents, even those that are not classified. So we still have issues in, in the way the access to information law is, is implemented in practice. So definitely, I'm sure there are lots of classified documents that could shouldn't even be classified. What kind of impact this case has on Finland's reputation abroad and on press freedom globally? Uh, it has been a blow to our reputation. We've had we've had many colleague, colleagues contacting us and asking what's going on and how is this possible. And uh, Finland has this reputation of of a very free country with with great press freedom and great uh, environment for journalism. So this has an effect, and I think worse than the reputation is Finland is the precedent that, the, that it gives to other countries with other Italian tendencies. As we know, we're in a place globally where there's a battle of sorts between liberal and authoritarian tendencies. So now we have a country like Finland that's doing great in civil liberties and press freedom. Doing this to journalists say, what do others, other countries, what, what, what does Hungary say? Poland say, so it's, they do this even in Finland. So this is bad for our colleagues and this is bad for our profession. Could you introduce yourself and what do you do for work? I'm Rikun I'm University Lecturer of Public Law at the University of Tampere and also I have a research project in the University of Helsinki. My research is about speech and constitutional law. So I have done a lot of media law in Finland for last decade. Okay. Um, from a legal point of view, how would you do, describe this um, Helsinki Sanomat case? It's quite complicated and a little bit weird. I mean, it's the first. Accusation was about also the attention of disclosure of government secret and it's kind of kind of dif- difficult to attempt to publish article. And the this lot of this case was the really was it's also kind of because there was some kind of the only the journalists were convicted, not the editor was stuff of the newspaper. Have the legal proceedings and the conviction affected press freedom in Finland? That depends on the, how this process will end. At, the, at this moment, you know, it's the, the beginning of the, of the court process, so we have to see, but there's, but there's this, this, this possibility where some kind of chilling effect and some kind of there might be a possibility for self-seen something of journalist. Okay, so what are your views on the fact that journalists were convicted instead of the editorial management or the original source of the leak? That's very problematic because the, we don't know who was the original source. 
der Samsat Sessions, der First High Ranking Officer Vinis. High Ranking Officer Vinis Interessant. That's the problem, that's the that's leak, but no leaker. And for the in Finnish law, in any circumstances, the editor in chief must be, should be prosecuted in this kind of cases and may be convicted. But he was not at, at least prosecuted in this case. The person behind the original leak is suspected to be Georgi Alafutsov, the former intelligence chief of the Finnish Defence Forces and the European Union. The trial related to Alafutsov finally began on 20 September 2023 at the Helsinki Court of Appeals. The prosecutors are asking for a prison sentence of one year and eight months for gross misconduct and breach of official secrecy. The crimes are suspected to have been committed between 2006 and 2015. During that time, Alafutsov first worked in the Finnish Defence Forces and then as the head of intelligence of the EU military staff. He retired in 2016. Alafutsov has denied any wrongdoing. The police suspected that while working at the EU, Alafutsov gave Pietilainen a memory stick to save notes during an interview. Alafutsov might have thought the memory stick he gave to Pietilainen was empty. However, it is generally known that information previously stored on a memory stick can be easily restored. Such material should no longer have been in Alafutsov's possession, as he no longer worked at the Finnish Defence Forces. In connection with the preliminary investigation related to the memory stick, the Central Criminal Police found a considerable number of sensitive documents in Alafutsov's possession during a search of his home in 2018. Some of the documents were under the highest security category. Alafutsov was already retired at the time, and even while in office, the material would not have been allowed to be taken out of the separately defined premises of the Finnish Defence Forces. Do you think officials in Finland overclassify documents, and if so, how does it affect journalists' work? That may be yes and no, because we have the, there's a deep kind of classification. In Finland, we have this guy, this act on the, of the openness of the government activities, which means that anyone can record the documents from the public authorities. After the application for the documents, the Finnish officials made the, made the decision on how they will they give the document. And the document can be fully, fully open, fully public or half public or completely secret. But that's the case by case and of course there's a possibility to make an appeal. But then we have this kind of Classification on based on the secrecy. After, so in the last decade, we have seen some kind of overclassification and maybe too much secrecy. And I think the both sides are made appeal to the Helsinki Appeal Court and then there are, of course, the Finnish Supreme Court. And when the Supreme Court don't give right to appeal or give a president, that will be how that will line how this case is going to be. And I think. This will go to the Supreme Court and, and takes almost one person or five years or so. Yeah, and after the Supreme Court, is there a possibility that it could go over to the EU? There's possibility to go to the European Court of the Human Rights, and that's the one op- op- option, but we have to see that if there is Supreme Court decision.
In June 2023, all involved parties, prosecutors, defendants, Finnish Defence Forces and Sanoma Media Finland, the publisher of Helsingin Sanomat, appealed the district court's decision to the Court of Appeals. Thanks for listening to this episode of the MFRR in Focus. For more in-depth podcast episodes about the state of press freedom in Europe, visit the MFRR website or search MFRR in Focus on your podcast apps. The MFRR is co-funded by the European Commission. For more MFRR monitoring, advocacy and reports on Finland, visit the www.mfrr.eu. Thank you.